0: I say there are things better left unsolved. Who knows what waits for us in nature's no-man's land? Impossible? Unbelievable? Fantastic? But I tell you, it could happen. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. Yes, it could happen. For various authorities believe that buried somewhere under the polar ice cap, in a state of suspended animation, are the awesome creatures, the leviathans that roamed the earth at the dawn of time. And under certain conditions, a nuclear explosion could free one from his icy tomb. Then, guided by instinct, the beast would come back, back to the caverns of the deepest Atlantic where it was spawned, an armored giant wreaking his prehistoric fury on modern man and his puny machines. Cities would be terrorized by the cruel intruder from the past. Populations crazed and panicked with fear by its destructive force. Granite and steel would crumble. Soldiers and their weapons would be powerless before the onslaught of the beast. The beast! The beast. The beast from 20,000 fathoms. Every section of the city is guarded. No one knows where the monster will strike next.
1: For some reason, these kaiju, these... Devils always seem to be spawned by radiation and stuff, you know? You ever notice that? It's always uh, some uh, scientific experimentation gone awry. And this will be our undoing. Welcome back to the Kyle Style Podcast. Thanks for listening. So this episode of Visions of the Apocalypse is simply kaiju. Kaiju is Japanese for monster. And in this case, we're talking about giant monsters. Kaiju was literally the name of what they are, what they called the giant monsters in one of the movies I'm going to talk about. And this list is—I I want to say this is just entirely movies. I don't know even really if I didn't even bother to look. There's probably books about giant monsters attacking the world, but I've—I've uh, I've never really heard of one. Like, uh, you know, in person or something, where I just came across it, and I'm afraid if I look, it's just gonna be terrible. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be Godzilla fiction, and uh, you know that's a little much. So I'm gonna stick with the sort of uh, classic films and stories and things that go back a long ways and come all the way up to uh, current year, which is now 2017. By the way, welcome to the new year. Uh, before we get started, of course, gotta plug my shit, head over to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Kyle Style Design and pick up some of my original artwork on mugs and shirts and prints and stickers and leggings for the ladies, I guess, I, you know, I guess the guy could wear them, you know, no boundaries. And, uh, I get a portion of the proceeds there and you get some beautiful artwork in your life, some original artwork. Or head over to the GoFundMe page, throw me a couple of dollars and I'll, uh, keep putting these things together, because this is like doing homework. You're, like, kind of paying me to do some homework for you, so then you can just listen to me ramble, and hopefully I cover all the necessary points so that you actually learn something. So, Visions of the Apocalypse, Kaiju. So, giant monsters and creatures are, you know, the stuff of legend, right? It goes back a long way, and in some instances... Human beings did coexist with certain kind of, you know, we, we still kind of do, I guess, whales and all that. But we used to, there used to be giant, uh, you know, mammoths and mastodons roaming around and saber-toothed tigers and giant tree sloths that were like megafauna. These were, you know, these were mammals that were, like, huge. And, you know, in some sense, things like buffalo and elephants are huge monsters that will stomp you to death if you cross their path moose or can be huge but we're talking about sometimes like even larger grand you know grander more mythological uh or mythical creatures sometimes they're magic you know griffins um you know dragons that kind of thing where they are very, very prevalent in legend, and there's been, like, a lot of speculation and stuff about, you know, why is it that it seems like dragons are almost a cultural universal? And I've seen things saying that, you know, dragons are a fusion of all of our most primal uh, sort of uh, predators from when we were, like, lower order. We are instinctually kind of afraid of, uh, you know, flying taloned things, And reptiles, like snakes, because they would, you know, eat your babies when we were uh, less capable and were more tree dwelling. You know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, Dragons are kind of awesome, though, right? But so, you know, as far back as, you know, the ancient Babylonians, they had, um, they've dug up this uh, Ishtar gate. And it was part of uh, the actual, like, walls of Babylon. And there's all these intricate reliefs kind of carved into it. And one of them is there's all these normal creatures. And then there's a creature that has been known as the serush, And it it's interesting that it's shown alongside other real creatures because they talked about, you know, it's it seems as though some of the speculative stuff are, you know. It's stuff that I've come across before, basically saying that they had a Sarush and they kept it, you know, in a in like a temple and gave it offerings and things. So this they, they treated this thing like it was a real living creature, but it almost looks like a dragon. It looks like a dinosaur or something, right? And so you wonder how much of that is like, you know, mythical, mystical stuff and how much is, you know, maybe they had a... You know, maybe it was just a strange depiction of, I don't know, an elephant or, you know, something. Maybe it was some kind of large critter that, you know, has gone extinct or something. Uh, but, you know, they, they they revered this thing. And there's always been this idea of these large, powerful creatures that maybe sometimes are your friend, and maybe sometimes they aren't. But, uh, you know, you go back to the, even the Bible. The Book of Job had the behemoth right and the behemoth has been said to kind of be maybe like an elephant or maybe it's like a like a dinosaur you know uh it's some kind of big critter with a tail like a cedar and all that kind of stuff and it makes you wonder what what they meant and if it was just a symbolic thing like it was representative of something or if it was a real Creature they were talking about, right? Uh, There's also the Leviathan. Now, the Leviathan is... That's classic. It's a massive, like, sea monster. Uh, He can't be harmed by human weapons. He breathes fire and smoke from his nostrils. And, you know, of course, the ocean is terrifying. And then the idea of these big monsters being down there is also terrifying. And... That would at least explain why everybody would go missing when they went out to sea, right? It kind of just, it ah, must have run into the Leviathan. But uh it's also, again, one of those things like, is this a symbolic thing, this creature? Or is it representative of, like, a real creature that people saw, right? And, you know, continuing with the Bible here, you go on to Revelations. And Revelations has these kind of end times beasts, like the... uh the first beast of Revelation, uh, it's a I basically I'd say it's like a dragon I guess, but it's like a monster with seven heads and ten horns, and it rises out of the ocean. And it also features like the feet of a bear, uh, the mouth of a lion, and it, it looks like a leopard. But it's so it's like a giant, creepy. Uh, well, it's not necessarily a kaiju. It's not necessarily a giant monster, but it's uh. It's to be feared. Now, if you're if we're starting to scale up, right? So we used to have that we actually had in real life dinosaurs. They used to exist. We had the megafauna, mammoths and such. And then you move into this sort of more mythical, mystical stuff, the Sarush, maybe these creatures that are, you know, talked about in the Bible. And then you have like Scandinavian mythology, the Kraken, right? And the Kraken was is is thought that maybe it was uh you know, sort of uh, uh, mystical recor- a recording in mythology of encounters with things like giant octopus and uh, giant squid, right? These are real things. They'd, giant squid haven't been known to attack, like, large whales and things, so maybe they would attack ships, you know? All you have to do is see one once and be pretty freaked out <laughs> about what's down there in the water, which leads me to... Uh, Uh, I'll, I'll include the link here, but I did episode, uh, I don't know, 20-something was about, uh, overcoming thalassophobia. that's fear of the water, and going scuba diving and swimming and stuff, did a whole episode about it, it's actually done pretty well as far as Kyle Style Podcast, so I'll I'll include a link to that, too, because the ocean is terrifying, but, uh, moving along here, yeah, as far back as Beowulf, which is, like, the Eighth to eleventh century English literature, one of the oldest English language texts known. Uh, you had this creature Grendel, and Grendel is kind of—it's implied that Grendel is big and you know terrorizes the village, and Beowulf is the hero who has to go fight it. And that's another another kind of that's another kind of factor, right? It's this idea that humans are good and we are opposing this destructive evil force that is overwhelmingly powerful it's bigger than us and you know maybe usually it's like we outsmart it right that's uh, odysseus and the uh, and the, the cyclops right the cyclops is big and powerful and, and terrifying but odysseus is able to uh defeat him because he's clever right and this is kind of the idea that you you see some of these these patterns and a lot of this stuff stuff coming out of the ocean, uh, people. Uh, it it serves as kind of a morality play or a morality tale. The the good overcome the evil, and there's this idea of being, uh, being plucky and being smart and being uh, very very uh, you know inventive to defeat this rampaging beast, right? And you could go back to, again, like Moby Dick and the real story of the Essex that it's actually that Moby Dick is based on, that uh, uh, this boat gets sunk and by this giant whale and these guys have to survive in the life raft or, uh, you know, 20,000 leagues under the sea, Jules Verne, what, late 1800s, you know, these giant squids attack the Nautilus and the crew have to fight them off with, you know, axes and pistols and things. And you go back to one of the originals, King Kong, 1933. Now, King Kong in that, you know, it's is a reason that they keep trying to remake this movie, and it's because there's something there's something about it that's just very effective, and you know, the climbing the Empire State building, the him falling in love with the human woman, and all of that stuff. It's it's all classic and it's it makes for a good story. But here's the deal. We're talking about visions of the apocalypse here. Now a lot of these stories uh a lot of these are movies they don't they don't really reach an apocalyptic level so i'm going to have to i'm going to kind of chop my way through this here so one of the the so king kong was like a a creature from skull island and they capture him he's a big a giant ape right and that's part of the scale we're talking about when we're talking about kaiju, right? It's it's not, not like a mammoth. Like, a woolly mammoth still is acceptably large. You go, ah, that's really big, but, you know, I've seen elephants. It's kind of like that, right? We're talking about a gorilla that climbs the Empire State Building for fun. Like, he's that huge. He's, like, way, he's anatomically impossibly huge, right? You wouldn't be able to you probably couldn't have bones strong enough to hold up that much mass, right? There's physics involved that keep these creatures from getting this big. But uh one of the earliest ones that I found and that was the uh <laughs> what you heard in the intro there is uh, part of the trailer is the beast from 20,000 fathoms from 1953. And you know, early 50s red scare kind of era early nuclear age people were asking questions people were getting freaked out we were testing nukes here and there and everywhere and maybe what if we accidentally unleashed this giant beast that had been frozen in the ice right and then it came ashore and began to destroy us now this is again we kind of it's the idea is we kind of were evil we spawned this evil creature and it's now, you know, getting retribution on us for our hubris with our technologies, right? And there's a theme of that with a lot of these stories, but the beast from 20,000 fathoms, of course, you know, the if you watch it now, it's it's a little slow, of course, special effects are a little cheesy. I mean, a, a great claymation, you know, great stop motion animation on these on this monster, but it's hard to it's hard to compare it with more modern films because it's it's just so old. But the well, interesting thing about Beast from 20,000 Fathoms is that it's pretty easy to say that it is the, the uh, precursor to the much more famous Japanese kaiju monster, Godzilla or Gojira, as they called it, which the original Godzilla film came out in 1954, so one year later. And the interesting thing about Gojira is that when it was released in the U.S. as Godzilla, uh, the certain scenes were edited out, certain shots were edited out of the film. And you got to keep in mind Japan, 1954, post World War II, post you know Hiroshima, and Nagasaki, and there's imagery in Gojira of this uh, this you know Godzilla vaporizing people with his fire of breath and. The, you know, the the shadows of people left on the ground as, you know, they get incinerated. And that's directly out of the, you know, the atomic bombings. There was, like, the, literally the shadows of people were, you know, call it not burned into the ground. The ground was scorched all around, but their, their body made a shadow, so that part didn't get burned. So you see where people were standing that kind of thing. I hope you get the imagery there. And so this this allegory here, this is where, again, that symbolism, Godzilla, Gojira comes out of the ocean, right? He's possibly created by our scientific experimentation and he comes out of the ocean and starts to destroy Japan and all of their weapons can't stop him and he's incinerating people and eventually it's a secret weapon that the creator Uh, The the creator of this secret weapon kind of takes it to his grave with him, which, you know, people like maybe Oppenheimer might have wished they could have done with with the atom bomb, right? You uncreate this uh, terror weapon that you create. But so there's, you know, the symbolism is all wrapped up in this. Now, Godzilla, of course, spawned a whole series of increasingly cheesy uh, kaiju movies, You had Mothra, who was a giant moth. (laughs) And uh, Rodan, who was like a giant pterodactyl. And, you know, they all had kind of their own powers and things. You had King Ghidorah. And Ghidorah is almost like out of Revelations or something. He's like a three-headed flying dragon. And he can, like, shoot lightning out of his mouth. And him and Godzilla fight. I I think they fight a lot cause there's again, there's tons of these movies like they made them for i guess for still making them, but they made a lot of these ones where it's very clearly a guy in a suit kicking around on a a model town right, and they sort of splice some some special effects in here and there or some uh composite shots where they there's humans in the foreground that kind of thing, and it always <laughs> looked pretty cheesy but uh you gotta there's a charm to these movies because just the idea the concept's great right and it, again there's something primal in it this idea of these overwhelmingly huge monsters coming to earth coming ashore and just start wrecking shit and all of our all of our weapons are powerless to defeat it that kind of thing um repeat myself sorry Uh, Gamera. (laughs) So yeah, King Ghidorah, Gamera, who was like a a giant turtle. And Gamera was kind of like a good guy. He was like a good guy monster. He was on our team. And, you know, this eventually leads to things like Power Rangers. And Power Rangers, of course, there was like, it was like Kaiju of the Week. It was this monster gets sent down and it has some kind of special power. And the Power Rangers, of course, unite and Kung Fu battle this thing. And then the monster grows up into a giant kaiju, and then they get in their giant, like, kaiju-sized robots and battle the giant monster, right? And, you know, Voltron is, is similar. But this is an interesting thing of a, of humans having the ability to have a giant mech that can combat the giant uh, monsters every week, right? And this creates more of that imagery. It's the giant monster, and he's stomping around on the model city set and crushing buildings and things. And party loves it. The you know the the ten year old in you always loves it. But let's get uh, let's get back to brass tacks here. So again, the apocalyptic thing. Uh, you you start to have some crossover here where. These Some of these stories are meant to, they represent, they clearly represent something else. They're allegorical or symbolic. And in 1954, you had the movie Them, T-H-E-M, exclamation point. And Them is, uh, also, there was a, a computer game made called, uh, it came from the desert, I think, which is basically Them, the video game. And Them is giant ants. That, uh, from our, you know, nuclear testing, the giant ants storm out and start attacking people, and the army has to come in and go to war with the giant ants, and I'd almost say this one could be rebooted, we could reboot this thing and do it all kick-ass style, you know, uh, it could be cool, but, uh, yeah, you know, giant ants from our scientific experimentation come out, start eating people, and then you have to go to war with them, so this is where the scale goes up, right, where it's not really just one kaiju, where we have to bomb his secret weak spot to take him out, it's like hordes of giant bugs, right, we'll give starship troopers a little, a little honorable mention here as well, but, uh, you had more of these kind of this, just this same idea throughout the 50s and 60s. You had things like the Red Scare and, you know, nuclear paranoia and all this other stuff going on. And so you had, you know, it came from beneath the sea, uh, 1955, which was a giant octopus attacking. For some reason, they're always attacking New York City. You know, New York City is just a, a prime target. And you got uh, what was what what's. Thought of as one of the worst movies ever made, it's called "Beginning of the End." And this one, you know, talk about apocalyptic. It's a giant uh, grasshopper, and the giant grasshopper is attacking. Again, I think it's New York City, and they resort to spoilers for a sixty-year-old movie. They resort to uh, resort to nuclear weapons to try to destroy this thing, and they are setting off a nuke in New York City, so again, the apocalyptic imagery is, it's symbolic of what was really kind of the vibe of the time, and at the same time, this, you know, you get the monster destroying the city imagery, which is fun, let's see, uh, 1955, though, you did have a tarantula, which was, you know, again, a giant tarantula, uh, comes out of the desert, and starts destroying everything, and for some reason, they're always impervious to our weapons as well. Yeah, another huge, another giant spider. One Earth versus the Spider, nineteen fifty-eight. Because spiders are creepy, so giant spiders are creepy. You remember the Hobbit uh, or Lord of the Rings, rather? Giant, creepy spiders are creepy. Uh nineteen fifty-seven, the Deadly Mantis, because mantises are creepy and they kind of are dangerous, I guess. And you know, make a giant mantis it's scary and so this kind of can just continue on right and any you know the giant bacteria right anything that you want that's huge enough that it can be destructive is scary and you had um this you know this be reached this level of absurdity right where you had movies like night of the lepus 1972 kind of a cult classic Giant rabbits. <laughs> I mean, giant, like, rabbits the size of, like, I don't know, elephants, I guess, rampaging around. They have a taste for human flesh, and they, they can't be stopped, and there's hordes of them, and this movie has a lot of fake blood and a lot of terrible acting, and, yeah, I mean, even cute little bunnies, which bunnies can be assholes like not all bunnies are cute and nice some of them are jerks but uh giant rabbits running amok and eating people <laughs> because why not right uh and that it gets more destructive but again that's like a certain level of the apocalypse it's like a widespread area of destruction and um and it starts to we we contain it right like it doesn't necessarily threaten civilization per se but uh, it's one of those things that once you have a Godzilla and then you have a, a Mothra and now you got Rodan, like pretty soon these things are rampaging all over the whole world, destroying everything, and all of civilization hangs in the balance, right? At a certain point, but we move forward here. So you had this one uh, crappy uh, uh, movie from 1995 called Mosquito, and yeah, giant mosquitoes, not not huge, huge but again it's that swarm thing like if if yeah if i if i have a mosquito the size of like a basketball i don't know that's you you can contemplate suicide at that point i think it would be okay to do that people would go yeah i understand um you know mosquitoes that are the size of like dogs and cats and stuff like that's that's unacceptable i guess you'd make them easier to shoot you could like shoot them out of the air if they were that big Anyways, you know, mosquitoes draining everybody of their blood, flying around attacking people. Good stuff. Uh, Eight-legged freaks. Now, this is not really supposed to be serious. It's supposed to be like a horror comedy. And, uh, you got, what, Scarlett Johansson, a young Scarlett Johansson in a towel, so there you go. Uh, blasting giant spiders with a shotgun. And again, these are spiders that are like the size of, you know, Volkswagens and things. And... I guess they're kind of intelligent, uh eh, something. But, you know, it would be awesome to go to war with the giant spiders, but there being giant spiders roaming around again kind of makes suicide more acceptable, you know, people would go, "Yeah, I I understand." Uh, moving along. So, here we're going to loop back a little bit. Dinosaurs, right? We dinosaurs were real. Some of them were huge. Some of them were carnivores. Apparently some of them were, they were feathered, even though they were kind of reptiles. They weren't scaly the way they might have been portrayed. A lot of them apparently might have had uh, feathers. Anyways, young leisha giant T-Rex, or maybe a couple T-Rexes, and they could rampage around and kill stuff. They're basically like little mini-Godzillas. Well, in the 1990 uh, book and film Jurassic Park, uh, they did just that. The absolute madmen you got so caught up with. Whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. My Jeff Goldblum, thank you. And, uh, you know, they they clone the the dinosaurs from mosquitoes that were trapped in amber and all that. And, uh, of course, the dinosaurs, spoilers, the dinosaurs run amok. And this led to a series of books as well as a series of movies that kind of got increasingly worse. And you had the Jurassic World that came out, like, what, two years ago that was like, yeah, it was okay. But mostly just giant monsters going crazy. And they had made new hybrids of the dangerous monsters, right? Like T-Rexes that could be like a chameleon and turn invisible and stuff. And that's, again, that technology ethics thing kind of looping back on us and... and you know, burning us, right, play with fire, uh, also 1990, again, kind of another creature of the week, uh, uh, thing, but definitely a kaiju, uh, Tremors, and Tremors has got to be, like, one of my favorite movies of all time, like, I could put on Tremors right now and watch the whole thing, it's just so fantastic, the Tremors are, like, giant worms under the ground that, uh, have these like snakes in their mouth that they use as tongues, and they travel through this desert town just picking people off one by one. And so, you kind of got to play the floor as lava with the tremors running around the graboids, of the column. You got to, uh, jump from rooftop to rooftop and stay off the ground, or they'll pull you down. And, you know, when they break, they break into Burt Gummers, <laughs> broke it, break into Burt Gummers' Galdarn wreck Room. Uh, they unload all of their all their guns that they have on the walls into this graboid, and it's probably one of the best action scenes in any movie ever. Let's see moving right along Tremors, check it out if you haven't seen it uh now we're starting to get to a bigger scale here uh in twenty ten this movie called Monsters came out and I don't know if it was a direct-to-DVD or a Netflix special, but, you know, the CG was pretty good. The concept was pretty good. Apparently the, like, producer-director also did the concept design for, like, these monsters. And it was sort of like a, what is it, a space probe crashed back to Earth and, you know, had some kind of bacteria or something on it. And that bacteria caused it to, uh, caused... These giant creatures to spawn. Like some of them were huge, some of them were smaller. It was kind of like a variety of different uh, kaiju that were spawned by whatever it was that came off of this uh, space probe. And there was allegory in monsters as well. It was like the monsters were only in Central America. And so we had to militarize the US border with Mexico. And it was, you know, to keep the monsters out, kind of thing. And so there's a bit of that symbolism as well, a little uh, you know, a little little allegory there about human nature and everything. And you know, that was a pretty it was a pretty good little uh, a good little movie that you it was surprisingly kind of cool, right? And then they did a sequel a few years later. It was uh Monst- Monsters Dark Continent where they of course they went to Africa and it was a continuation of this kind of thing of uh they're they're living in these hot tropical places, and you kind of have to go to war with them, and are they conscious, or are they animals? You know, that kind of thing. A little social commentary here and there. But, uh, you know, other good stuff, and again, these, these monsters are kind of getting bigger, you're getting more of them, and, you know, we're literally going to war with them, it's kind of, uh, they're spreading, it's starting to become like a, an epidemic of these things, and it threatens civilization itself, right? And... Here's where you get to, again, this the the creature of the week thing can just keep going on forever. And you can keep destroying New York City as many times as you want. And one of these ones that everybody, I think, had high hopes for but was just confused by ultimately was uh, Cloverfield back in 2008. People called it, like, the monster movie without a monster. It was, like... Here's this giant monster and it's destroying things and it's all this found footage shit. So you just see these shaky cam shots of stuff and people running and screaming. And this one it was interesting because this monster seemed huge. Like it was way bigger than, you know, Godzilla was. It was just crashing through buildings like they weren't there and everything else. And they're dropping big bombs on it and it's not, you know, not killing it. But this one had an interesting, uh, an interesting aspect to it, which was that it was carrying all these baby uh, Cloverfield monsters on it, and then they start dropping off, and then you're fighting like miniature versions of them, and they're vicious and trying to eat people and you know chasing people through the subway tunnels and everything else. And that was an interesting thing because it made it like, like a Godzilla. We don't know where he came from, right? And he he just seems to be being a giant monster and destroying things, which of course Cloverfield is too. But Cloverfield, if he's if it's having babies, that means that it's some kind of creature. It's a it's a living creature, right? And it's of course it's shown at the end of the film that it maybe fell from outer space or something. You know, I don't know, It's the point of the story is that he's a giant monster, he destroys the city, and he's unstoppable, and humans do their best to survive and defeat it, and, you know, same thing. But the the level of destruction that they showed in that movie is kind of the horrific scale where, where it's, if you can't stop this thing, it could rampage all over, if all of our powerful weapons don't stop this thing, it will just wipe everybody out, right, if you can't stop this monster. And that's where we, here's where we get to, we're starting to get to more of the the civilization level, right? The whole world uniting to fight this enemy. And that was uh, Pacific Rim from 2013. Now this one was, you know, it's, it's holding back this wave of kaiju who just keep coming out of the ocean. Like, like every few months, a new one just comes out. And they've devastated different parts of the Earth uh, each time they come out. And eventually, we try to we try to build a wall. We build a wall to keep out the kaiju. And we build a huge wall along like the West Coast that's supposed to keep the monsters out, which seems like a terrible idea because the monsters can just keep hammering on it or climb over it or breathe fire on it or whatever they do and break through the wall. But that's, again, the point, the allegory, right? The symbolism. Um, we we our response to these giant and this endless, endless stream of monsters that come out of the ocean is, we build giant robots. Remember Power Rangers? Yeah, it's kind of like that. We build giant robots, and the giant <laughs> the giant robots, uh, we put drivers in them that meld their minds to to the machine and and then they control the machine with their mind and two people have to be in the thing to control it and, you know, it doesn't doesn't really make that much sense but it's cool is basically the idea. It's cool. And these giant monsters uh, come out of the ocean. We bring in our giant mechs. They're called Jaegers. And we go to war with the kaiju in a kung fu battle and they're picking up ships and hitting the kaijus with them and then they're using jump jets and flying around and the the movie is cool. I mean, part of the premise is dumb. I mean, there's different aspects of it that you just go, God, that's really stupid. But it's cool, it's awesome. Kaijus battling giant mechs and just blowing stuff up and it was fun but stupid. But it was actually a threat to all of civilization. The whole world was, you know, kind of brought to its knees by these creatures that had to be stopped, right? And so I guess I can recommend Pacific Rim. I I don't know. The kaijus are cool. And Charlie Day was fantastic. Moving along. Visions of the Apocalypse. I swear I'm trying to keep this in the pocket here. 2002. Reign of Fire. I think... This is the closest to a full-blown kaiju monster apocalypse that I've seen on film. Dragons. Uh, It's the year 2084, I guess. The year didn't really matter that much, but uh, Christian Bale is a little boy, and he goes down in a construction site where his mom works, and then he wakes up the dragon, I guess. And the dragon flies out. And he's breathing fire everywhere. And when the dragon flies out, it's like a few years later. There's now like millions of dragons. just Dragons all over the whole world. And they just destroyed everything. They destroyed all of civilization. Like they they eat everything living. And humanity you know christian bale and his friends are you know hiding out in a castle somewhere in i don't know scotland i guess and they are just trying to scrape by and survive and they they have you know alarms and things and they do their best to just you know hide from the dragons and that's that is until uh matthew mcconaughey arrives uh, bald, and (laughs) with a troop of, like, brutal kind of army dudes, and they've got their equipment and stuff, and they're from America, and they are gonna take the fight to the dragons, right, and they have to show the people, like, how to kill the dragons, right, like, the, you gotta shoot them in the heart, and, This leads up to the final battle. It's something like... the All of the dragons are females... Except for that one... That was the first one that got released. That's the only male. So if they can kill that guy off... Then there won't be any more dragons. Something like that. Because it quickly went from one dragon... To like millions of dragons. And again this movie, it's like Pacific Rim, it's stupid, like the dragons, and there's this, like, modern, medieval kind of thing, and they're, for some reason, they're skydiving to attack the dragon, and, and it doesn't, doesn't really make any sense, but it looks awesome, and it's got great post-apocalyptic kind of Mad max feel to it, and Matthew McConaughey is, like, a badass, and, um, it's the, it's that, Scraping the bottom of the barrel of humanity, you know they're kind of on their last legs, and something has to be done. And they again use their cleverness as humans, their tenacity to figure out how to attack the dragons and defeat them. Even though the dragons are large and powerful and breathe fire and everything else, they they figure out the secret weak spot, and they bring them down. It's great. It's great movie. Stupid again. It's stupid, but it's awesome because dragons are awesome. Post-apocalypse is awesome. Uh, Killing dragons in the post-apocalypse, it's awesome. can't beat it. Now, and here's the deal. Again, that's basically as far as I can find, really, like a... Kaijus, giant monsters, destroying the Earth. And literally, like, just almost snuffing out all, you know, human life. And it's... The stories are meant for us to win. That's the thing about these stories. It's not about them, you know, nuclear war, disease, that kind of thing, could wipe us all out to the last man, right? And that's what a lot of, like, especially, like, nuclear war stories are. It's not people surviving it. It's people not surviving it. It's no one surviving it. And these stories are meant, like, again, that morality play kind of thing where, we are meant to win, and we learn a lesson, right? We learn a lesson about humanity. We learn a lesson about uh, maybe uh, uh, technology gone too far, that kind of thing. And it's meant to be a lesson to us. So we're, we're supposed to win. So we're not supposed to lose to these monsters. So that's usually what the story is, right? Uh, Beowulf overcomes uh, Grendel and Grendel's mother. Uh, you know, we defeat Godzilla, we defeat the dragons in In Reign of Fire, we defeat the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, right? We create, we let the genie out of the bottle, we create this monster, it starts killing us, and then we, we defeat it, we fight back, right? And we're smarter than these beasts, so we defeat them. Now... Here's an interesting one that I I had forgotten about until uh, halfway through compiling this list, and I realized it it doesn't belong on the list, but it's actually, I feel like it's more pertinent than a lot of these are, because these are all impossible, right? Other episodes of Visions of the Apocalypse have had um, all kinds of realistic scenarios. There are real-world scenarios for... Ecological collapse, power grid collapse, disease, nuclear war, even, uh, you know, even technology run, run amok could, could happen, right? Nuclear war, et cetera. Giant monsters coming from outer space, out of the ocean, being mutated from, you know, nuclear tests or whatever. That's, I'm going to say, not going to happen. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say 100% not going to happen. But here's an interesting one. And this one I saw with a friend at some little theater because it was like a foreign flick. It was called Branded from 2012. It was called Branded. And Branded is this weird psychological flick about a guy who starts to see, he starts to see parasitic control of people's minds, right? He starts to see that there's this like, network of like these creatures everywhere that are latched onto people's minds and they're powered by what people are thinking about and when ideas clash, right? Civilizations clash, when, uh, you know, corporations clash, their brands become these, uh, these giant kaiju monsters that only a few people can see and they go to war with each other and they're battling each other. Now, there's all kinds of crazy symbolism in this movie because the idea is that that's where gods came from, right? That if people believed in these gods, that that would create these gods and then these gods would battle for supremacy and then get all the followers, right? It's like you wipe out the other Twitter guy, the other guy on Twitter and you get all his followers until you are the head Twitterer sort of like that. Only they're using advertising and stuff to promote different uh these different brands and these different products and things and using that to control people so that you have more people who are all worshiping these consumer gods, right? These consumer idols. And like you got to you just got to see this movie. It, it was it got a little weird here and there, but it was pretty cool. It was pretty, it was well done. Like the CG was pretty good. The The fighting between the monsters was pretty great. And you got the main character kind of learning how to create his own monster and and then use that to fight the other kaiju. And it's like, again, it's all like invisible except to certain people and stuff. It's like, it is amazingly, the concept was was really good. Uh so yeah check out branded and and the reason I would bring that one up is because there's this uh you know there's this kind of social commentary in the movie about people believing that everything is okay when they're unhealthy eating giant hamburgers when they're uh you know smoking and they're spending all their money and they're doing all these things that are bad for you and then they're bad for our you know they're bad for our environment and they're bad for um uh, in some cases it's bad for people to be doing these things smoking drinking um, you know uh promiscuous sex uh all this kind of stuff can be really bad for society and civilization itself and we're straining uh you know agriculture we're straining our production we're 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 putting people under immense pressure where they you know, they commit suicide, and they go crazy and kill people, and they, you know, they drop out of society entirely because of this, like, financial pressures and everything else, and so what am I getting at here? What are you yelling about, Kyle? Well, at the end of the day, we're not really under threat from giant monsters, but we are under threat from our our addiction to consumerism, mass production, and technology— And we're dry, we're kind of, we can kill ourselves pursuing this technology and these, you know, products and consumption. And in terms of visions of the apocalypse, that is much more likely to hit us. The, The kind of branded scenario, right? Perpetual product warfare and, and, uh, and, uh, Relentless, inhuman uh, capitalism and uh, demand for production and demand for labor will drive us to... uh, That will drive us off the cliff, not giant fire-breathing dragons that come out of the ocean. So yeah, that's it. That's Visions of the Apocalypse. Kaiju. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, please, if you would, head over to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Kyle Style Design. Pick up some of my original artwork on uh mugs and shirts and prints and all that good stuff. You can hang it on the wall, you can wear it, you can put it in your pocket, and you'll, uh, have some original, uh, you know, great looking artwork, right? And I get a portion of the proceeds, which will contribute to me continuing to, I don't know, get more equipment, uh, get more, uh, you know, get more, I need a new laptop, I need to get a new laptop that I'm recording this on, I might be getting, like, uh, well, before I go too crazy, we'll see, and, uh, anyways, head over to, uh, GoFundMe page, throw me a couple dollars, it's much appreciated, and check me out on Instagram, I'm Kyle underscore style underscore podcast, um, of course, all these links are on the blog, South's blog, and... I will include, of course, a playlist of uh, video clips and everything so you know, you you can see what I'm talking about with uh, all of these different movies. And uh, at K-Style Podcast on Twitter, I appreciate followers, feedback, critique, criticism. Uh, I'm tired of, uh, like, marketing people following me, though, for like a day and then unfollowing me. Just... You know, if you've got something to give me, then follow me in and, and hit me up and say, hey, look, I got like a thing that you should look at to help your brand, right? If not, stop following me. I'm not, I'm not gonna follow you back. Anyways, thanks for listening. We're starting the new year off. We're what, five days in? All kinds of crazy stuff is going on. Uh, I think the next episode won't be Visions of the Apocalypse. I think I'm going to do a bit of a news compilation on the next one. I'm not quite sure. Of course, this is the Kyle Style Podcast. I do it my way or the highway. Um, My way is the highway. Did you know that? There's people who go on the low way. I go on the highway. (laughs) All right. Kyle Style Podcast. Visions of the Apocalypse. Kaiju. Thanks for listening. Kyle Style, out.